There was a recent Twitter feud about Anne Frank. Yes, that Anne Frank. The one who was murdered in a Nazi concentration camp solely because she was a Jew. The little girl who wrote a diary and hid from the Nazis. You know, her diary was published after her death, and it chronicles her life from 1942 to 1944. Anne was a Dutch girl living in the Nazi-occupied Netherlands during the Second World War. And her diary is astounding, frightening, actually horrifying. It shows the beauty of the human spirit, but also the worst of humanity. Anne's diary was published in 1947 and has been translated into 70 languages. People around the world have loved this precious diary account of a little girl's struggle. That's why it's so surprising that people are actually debating on Twitter right now about her life. It started with one woke warrior who boldly proclaimed that Anne Frank had benefited from white privilege. Yes, you heard correctly, almost 80 years after her brutal murder, for simply being Jewish, some social justice warriors want you to know that Anne Frank enjoyed white privilege. Sadly, this sort of insan insanity is all too common among those who are focused on skin color as the primary determinant of goodness or evil. This fixation is crushing our American unity, hurting our spirit, and dividing us in a time when we need to come together. No, I'm not denying the past of America, and even more so the world, that we've had prejudice and racism. I'm also not denying that there are elements of prejudice operating in our world today. But come on, Anne Frank benefiting from white privilege? Sadly, the purpose of making such an assertion is an intentional effort to divide us by race. The problem is that it's hard to both acknowledge our painful past and look beyond to a hopeful future. How do we address racism honestly, not as a political gimmick, not to shame people and marginalize them, but to bring healing and an opportunity to love people past racial divisions? I can think of no better person to address these questions than my friend, Dr. Ben Carson. You know him. He's the most famous American physician, a world-renowned neurosurgeon, once a leading candidate for president of the United States and the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. He was raised in modest circumstances, worked hard to get the best education possible, and is now one of the most famous people in the world today. Dr. Carson is also a best-selling author, and he has a new book out titled Created Equal. Dr. Carson, we're so pleased to have you. This is our 200th episode of the Economic War Room. Wow, I feel really honored. It's always good to be with you under any circumstances, but 200, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Hey, your new book is out, Created Equal. I read it as an economist, and for me, it's actually a primer on economics. I mean, when you stop and you think about race as an issue, it really is a, an anti-economic issue to look at people based on race rather than on ability, skills, individuality, Absolutely. and so forth. And uh, you know, one of the reasons that I really felt an urge to write this book is because, as anybody who's very observant has noticed, everything seems to circle back to race these days. It does. Uh, in most cases, inappropriately. And the race issue is used as a cudgel to beat people into submission, to make white people feel guilty, to make black people and minorities feel like victims. And uh, all it's doing is creating division. You know, when you think about the fact that we've made just enormous racial progress in this country, just, just in my lifetime, 
I mean, this, this country was very different when I was born. And uh, I remember as a child, we would be so excited when a black person came on TV in a non-servile role. And you called everybody into the living room, hey, look at this, this was great. And now, in the same lifetime, you have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and heads of foundations, university presidents, including Ivy Leagues. We've uh, elected a black United States president twice. We have a black vice president. I mean, to say that we haven't made enormous progress is absolutely ridiculous. Doesn't mean that we've reached nirvana. We have not reached nirvana, but we've made enormous progress. And what we have to decide, and, and what I really bring out in the book is, we get to decide, do we want to build our future on our past failures or on our tremendous success? Wow, that's a great question. And you know, I think of tremendous progress in your lifetime. In less than your lifetime, we went from the first flight at Kitty Hawk with the Wright brothers to a human being in space yes. and then landing on the moon. So, you know, we, we are capable of tremendous progress. We are. And, and our diversity, actually, as I point out in the book also, is helpful to us because we have a lot of people who maybe look at things differently. And yet, it all contributes to the good of the country. And, you know, I, I just picked as an example uh, African Americans and I talked about the various contributions they've made that most people don't know about, like Henrietta Bradbury, the underwater cannon so we could launch torpedoes from submarines. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, Garrett Morgan, the traffic light, the gas mask. Uh, Elijah McCoy, automatic lubrication system for locomotives, had so many great inventions, people would say, is that a McCoy? Is that the real McCoy? Wow. Yeah. So, I I've mean, I, I, I could go on for hours. Well, even in the space, it would not have been possible without the human computers that we saw in the movie Hidden Figures. Exactly, exactly. Incredibly smart people. But here's the wonderful thing about the God who created us. He gave every group of people fantastic brains with billions and billions of neurons, hundreds of billions of interconnections that remembers everything you've ever seen, everything you've ever heard, can process more than two million bits of information in one second. And why do we need a brain like that? And why would we not use it? And you know, you come back to something like critical race theory and uh, they're teaching our children that the most critical factor, the most critical determinant of what happens to you in life is the color of your skin. Now, do you need this really sophisticated brain to just look at the color of someone's skin? You know, if you look at animals, animals have very big midbrains, and the midbrain is for reacting. People don't have such well-developed midbrains, but they have really well-developed frontal lobes which allow you to engage in rational thought processing, to extract information from the past, integrate it with information from the present, project it into the future, analyze the content of character rather than just the color of skin. So why should we be teaching our children to act like animals instead of sophisticated human beings? No, that's, that's exactly right. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, I wanna hear some of your personal history that you shared and created equal.
Dr. Carson, you were telling us about the difference between humans and animals and how we have the capacity to look beyond the superficial. Now, in your lifetime, you've seen a change. You also shared with us a little bit of the history that's taken place. Tell a little of your personal story as you relate it in the book. Well, you know, when I was uh, much younger, when I was a kid, it was not unusual to see blatant uh, acts of racism occurring. Uh, you know, I was a terrible student, fifth grade, started changing that significantly in the sixth grade. By the seventh grade, I was at the top of the class. And as the only black student, um, you know, it created a little bit of a problem for some of the teachers. The kids were fine with it. They'd seen me make this metamorphosis. They knew me as Ben, not as this black kid. Right. And um, I remember when I was uh, in the eighth grade, and I give a special academic award for the student with the highest academic achievement. And I said, I got this. <laughs> and you would take a report card to each teacher, and they would put their grade on it. And I got to the last class. I had all A's. And the last one was band, and I was very good in band, so I knew that was an A. And the turkey gave me a C to ruin my report Just card to, to make sure that I didn't award. get the award. But to his chagrin, it turns out band didn't count. Ah. <laughs> So I got the award anyway, and at the award ceremony, one of the teachers got up and chastised the white kids. You're not trying hard enough. There's no way this black kid from a single-parent home should have done better than you. Um, and it just means that you're not working hard enough. Now, I don't really hold that against her. She was a product of her time. And I, I make that point frequently in the book. A lot of things that happen, sometimes we look at them and interpret them in very negative ways. Um, but people tend to react based on what their life experience has been. Mm -hmm. So when I would go onto the ward in the hospital, in 1977 as an intern, uh, there had been very few, if any, black men on the ward and scrubs who were anything other than orderly. Okay. So they would say, you know, Mr. Jones isn't ready to be taken to the OR yet. Now, I could have gotten angry and huffy and said, well, I'm a doctor. I didn't do that. I just said, well, gee, I'm sorry he's not ready to be taken to the OR. I'm Dr. Carson. I'm here to see and they would turn 18 shades of red, and I would be very nice to them. And I have a friend for life, and <laughs> they never make that mistake again. Well, what you're kind of saying, and I think what you said in the book is, racism isn't born, it's learned. It is. And, uh, and so many children, you know, have a wonderful time with each other, and then along comes a parent saying, you can't play with them, you can't do that, you know. We're better than those people. I mean, just why, why do adults have to do that? Boy, wouldn't it be nice if, if we all sort of had that childlike love for each other? And uh, that's why Jesus said in the Bible, a little child shall lead them. Mm. Because they, they get so twisted as they grow up and all of these things start happening. And they're, they're completely not necessary. 
So what prompted you to write a book with a provocative title, Created Equal, because that's used by the other side to, to point out the racism, and you actually uh, use it as an opportunity to bring healing. Yeah, and I, I, well, the subtitle, of course, is The Painful Past, The Confusing Present, and The Hopeful Future of Race in America. And, you know, I wanted to shine a light on the way things are being used and manipulated in a negative way. You know, for instance, uh, there's a chapter on George Floyd. Now, you know, after that incident, it was played 24-7 around the clock to try to make people think that this is something that occurred frequently. I was talking to some friends in Australia. They said, even over here on the other side of the world, 24-7, the George Floyd stuff. Um, and yet, this is way off on the distal end of the bell curve, uh, that kind of behavior. And it's interesting, you know, a lot of surveys have been done asking people, how often do you think unarmed black men are killed by police officers? And you come up with astronomical numbers uh, because that's the perception that they have. The actual numbers, over 50 million police civilian encounters a year in the United States, less than two dozen black men killed by police officers, black men who are unarmed. And, uh, you know, that's still too many, but, I mean, it's, it's a tiny fraction of what people think it is. And it shows how rare it is. And, and I talk in a book about another case that was almost identical to the George Floyd case. Knee on the neck, face on the ground, saying, I'm dying, I'm going to die. And he did die. You heard almost nothing about it because the victim was a white man. And so it didn't fit the narrative of systemic racism in the police force. So push that aside. And look at all the black people who are killed every weekend in Chicago. No big deal. Unless one of them happens to be killed by a white police officer. Right. Then it's a big deal. Right. So it, it is you're countering the narrative which is important. You're sharing your personal history, which is, you know, you're in a unique position to do it. I mean, you grew up uh, in modest means and you're now at the top of society. I mean, the, the, you're, you're very famous. You've been in the cabinet. You're, you know, you're in a unique position to, to start about starting from modest place and, and, and getting to the top of America. Which is one of the reasons that the left is not enamored of people like me. <laughs> because it just flies in the face of that narrative. Uh, you know, you're supposed to be a victim and you're not supposed to achieve unless we facilitate it and do things for you. And you have to think the right way. Right. You can't think for yourself. No. Well, actually, they sometimes get a little irritated with me when I said there is systemic racism in those people who say, that a black person has to think a certain way. Yes, that's systemic racism, and that's you. <laughs> yeah, and they're not celebrating. I mean, just think of you as a boy, and you'd get excited because you'd see someone with darker skin on television in a non-servile role. And here you are, in a, you know, you've achieved everything that a uh, human can achieve, and yet they don't want your story told, but you've told it in this book. We're gonna take another break. When we come back, I wanna talk about some of the solutions that you outlined in the book and ways we can make America better.
We've been talking with Dr. Ben Carson about his new book, Created Equal. And there's a lot of issues that are in there. It's an amazing book. I highly recommend it. It, it really has the prescription to this whole race challenge that we're facing today. As a man who's, who's come from modest means to the pinnacle of society, and he's seen the history of America, and we've gotten better. We're not where we need to be, but we've gotten better. I've also invited into the war room our good friend Glenn Story from Patriot Mobile. You know Patriot Mobile. It is America's only conservative Christian cell phone company. And full disclosure, we're investors in Patriot Mobile, big supporters of Patriot Mobile. But I want to welcome you, Glenn, in into our conversation with Dr. Carson. Well, thank you for having me. I always enjoy listening to what you do, and I just appreciate the opportunity to share our story as well. Good. Well, we're about to hear, Dr. Carson, your prescription. You're a doctor. Do we need surgery? Do we need medicine? What is your prescription for racial reconciliation? Well, the first thing we have to do is talk to each other, uh, rather than getting in respective corners and hurling hand grenades at each other. And then... You know, I think there are a lot of practical things that can be done. You know, a lot of things center around the accusation that the police are racist and that they kill people unnecessarily and that they particularly target black people. Uh, we have to talk about what the real statistics are. What are the real numbers? Put those out there. Uh, that makes a difference. Also, some of the technologies that have become available like the bowler wrap. This is a gun, you can fire it from 10 to 30 feet, and it has a, a coil that will, or your legs, your legs or your arms. That sounds like something for a superhero movie. It is, it is, but it works extremely well. And you know, the, the problem with tasers is that they're only variably functional, and so you get into a lot of problems with it, but the bowler wrap, you're wrapped up, and then you can be peacefully taken away uh, without injury to you. And this is particularly useful in some of the cases that have been very controversial where the, the uh, person was fleeing and the police shot him in the back. Um, and of course, that's very controversial because then the question comes up, is it really worth his life or can you just let him go and, right. and try to find him? Well, with the bowler wrap, you got them. Yeah. No, that's great. So, I mean, we, we need to, you know, start thinking of this t the technology. Applying American ingenuity. American ingenuity. And what that does is it also shows that we really care about these lives. Whether they're black lives or brown lives or white lives, it doesn't matter. That we care about our people and we're gonna to try to do things in a way that preserves their life. Well, that's great. Well, I know you have spoken out uh, against critical race theory and the evils therein and the potential bad things that can come as a result of it. Glenn and Patriot Mobile have been active. In fact, they were a sponsor of a forum where you were here in Texas and talking about critical race theory. So uh, tell us, the, what are your thoughts now? Well, you know, it's been interesting because in the beginning, a lot of people on the left would deny that they're teaching that stuff. But, uh, you know, there's been too much evidence of it, and a lot of it has been captured, so they, they can't really deny it. In fact, a friend of mine was telling me about his eight-year-old granddaughter who came home crying from school. Grandpa, am I evil because I'm white? Mm -hmm. Now, where, where do they hear that? <laughs> you know, obviously. 
And how is that supposed to improve anything? Getting people to feel guilty uh, and told that they're oppressors and all their relatives are oppressors. How, how is that supposed to improve anything? And, and how is telling other people that they're victims and that the system is stacked against them and it's inherent in everything that we do and there's no way out except to change the whole system? How is that supposed to help? <laughs> and obviously it doesn't help. All it does is create resentment. And it's one of the reasons that with American Cornerstone uh, Institute, we have the Little Patriots program. And uh, we're putting out real information about who we are, what our values are, what our history are. Beautiful cartoons, a new series called Star Spangled Adventures. Wow. And uh, it has history lessons in it with we hired uh, animators from Disney and Pixar and ABC Kids, ones that were not woke, by the way. And uh, they've done a, just a beautiful job in their lessons. Uh, and you can, they're printable material. If you're going on a trip, you can print it and do the crossword puzzles or all kinds of find the words and what they mean. Um, really making education fun for the kids once again and it's free because we have wonderful sponsors who have underwritten it we also have books uh, our newest book that just, just came out uh, July of 22 uh, it's called red white and blue our flag matters to me and you and it starts out with a little boy looking at a torn and tattered flag on the ground and then Liberty Eagle the guide comes out and explains the significance of the red, white, and blue, the stars, the stripes, the people who have made it possible for us to be free, why you should be proud when you see that flag. Uh, we don't denigrate the people who want to kneel and who want to denigrate our flag, but we talk about why this is such a great nation and why you should be proud of it. Well, and, and, and I should just mention that all the proceeds from the books go right back into the program to underwrite it. Well, and that's the point here. It's not just enough to say this is bad. We need to have the alternative to bring up as well, which is, again, why I brought Patriot Mobile. We tell people all the time, weaponize your giving, spending, and investing. And the way to weaponize your giving, one way to do it is to give to American Cornerstone Institute. Amen. A second way to do it is through your spending, if you spend with Patriot Mobile, and they're going to buy some books, and they're going to help distribute those books. Oh, wonderful. But also, Glenn, you brought a check. I did. And uh, I That's wanted to share it. to my ears. Yes, and <laughs> we want to see it get reinvested and reinvested. But well, I have a, uh, a very large check here for Patriot Mobile, from Patriot Mobile to American Cornerstone Institute. We love what you guys are doing, and we want to partner with you and help grow that as fast as we can because you guys truly believe in America Absolutely. and American values and above all you put Jesus Christ first mm -hmm. and we see that when you put Jesus Christ first that everything else will happen and I just love what you do so Dr. Carson oh well thank you very much and we're going to continue to partner with you over time and I just would love to see this going forward and, and grow our partnership well thank you so much we appreciate yeah. it we appreciate the fact that you're a patriot yes. and because as all of us really come to recognize that we, the American people, are not each other's enemies, 
and that the people who are trying to make us think that we're enemies are the real problem. And, uh, you know, most of the problems that we have are self-inflicted problems. And, uh, you know, if we just learn how to work together and use logic and common sense and create the right kinds of atmospheres, we have something that everybody wants. This is still the destination country. This is still the place that people want to come when they want to be free and when they want to be prosperous. And let's, let's make sure we keep it that way. Amen. Thank you both. Look, it's a way to weaponize your money. You can um, give to American Cornerstone Institute, and you should. We'll put all the information about Dr. Carson, about the new book, about the initiatives in our economic battle plan. You can get a free copy at economicwarroom.com. I want to thank Patriot Mobile and American Cornerstone and Dr. Carson. And also, I want to encourage you to remember what we see as a marketplace our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room. Thank you.